welcome to New Life, everybody. Glad you guys are here today. It's going to be a fantastic day. Listen, if you guys would go ahead and find a seat, that would be wonderful. I appreciate that a lot. I want to say a big hello to all of those worshiping with us right now out in North Platte. Yes, hello, North Platte. I want to say hello as well to all of those worshiping with us down in the venue. We got the venue people. Uh, And then as well, thank you to all of you that have shown up here in our main auditorium for our 1045 service. Good job. Yeah. Man, you guys, um, you guys know you're sitting in one of four worship services this morning in three different locations. So uh, if you're wondering in any of those locations if there's, why there are open seats, it's because we always want to have room for more people to come. All right, so invite all your friends that you can, bring them. We're going to you know, help everyone understand what it means to have a practical and a real relationship with Jesus. That's one of, our, uh, that's one of the things we really stand for here is that we want to preach Jesus And we want people to have a relationship with him that radically transforms their life. So welcome. Glad to have you guys here with us. Hey, listen, if throughout the service you need assistance or you need help, please, by all means, find one of the hosts that are here. They're wearing a a lanyard with a a green tag on it in any of our locations. Uh, It's all the same. They're here to help you and help facilitate an incredible day of worship for you and for your entire family. Uh, So please utilize them. Or otherwise, they kind of sit back there and they're wondering, you know, does anybody really need me? And we don't want anybody to walk out of here feeling like they are not needed. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, just ask them a random question. Even if you got nothing to ask them, just ask them something random, you know, and uh, make them feel wanted and needed. All right, can you help me with that? Well, hey, listen, my name is Jeff Baker. I'm one of the pastors on staff. If this is your first Sunday with us, uh, again, thank you for choosing to worship here at New Life, New Life in Kearney or New Life in North Platte. Uh, I know you could have gone to any church, and there's great churches in both of those communities, but you came here, and we want to make sure that your experience uh, today is the best it can be uh, and help you understand what God's Word has to say. So we're going to jump in. It's week two of our current teaching series, From Here to Eternity. It's the sermon series that never ends. It reminds me of the—that's a joke, by the way. It reminds me of the song—remember that song as kids? This is the song that never end, right? It goes on and on, my friends. Somebody started singing it, not knowing what it was. We'll continue singing it forever just because it is the— Right, okay, don't do that. Don't. Don't start it. If you start it, it never ends. Don't start. That's why I spoke the words. I didn't sing the words. You can speak them, and it can end. But if you start singing it, it's done. We're over with. From now till eternity, we're singing that song. There is, there is something that needs to happen from here to eternity, and that's this. You need to figure out how to get to the center of God's will and live your life there. You know, the center of, of eternity is going to be Christ. Christ is the center of, your, of, of eternity when it comes to heaven. God wants you to spend eternity with him. So that means we got to figure out how to live at the center of his will while we're here on this earth. That's our mission. Our mission is to get from wherever you are to live at the center of his will because God's going to be the center of your eternity. If Jesus is your Lord and your leader, he might as well be at the center of your life throughout the rest of the days that you have on this planet, making the most impact that you can. That's what the whole series is about. Um, It's also about us being able to communicate to you the four different stages of your spiritual journey and the way we see it here at New Life and how we design different discipleship uh, courses and our process here uh, at New Life. And so today, I just kind of want to take you back really quick to last week. Last week, we talked about our, our first phase, which is called STEP 
or stepping over the line. Um, you might find a graphic, you know, that's getting ready to pop up here, I think. Like that graphic um, is the step over the line graphic. If you ever see anything like that you know, on any of our documents printed anywhere, advertising a course, um, when, you see that, when you see that nice little icon, it's for people that have yet to give their life to Christ, but they're here and they're asking the questions, is Jesus who he said that he is? Is Jesus God and should I surrender my life to him and follow him? You see, that's the kind of church we want to be. We, we want to continue to be a church where people can come in, they can feel welcomed and have a place to learn and to grow and to ask the difficult questions. We are not afraid of you asking difficult questions about God and about his word. We have nothing to defend. Um, you know, Jesus is enough. Uh, we're, we're not, we don't have to beat some bully pulpit. Uh, you know, we, we don't have any kind of secret hidden agenda that we're trying to accomplish. We don't have any secret hidden doctrine that we have to try to justify. We try to follow God's word and God's word alone. So any of your questions are open game and we want to help you. So we're a church that helps people take a step, an important step. It's stepping over the line out of man's world into God's kingdom. I'll help you understand that in a minute. So today we're going to take now the, the second phase of the four, and that is learning how to walk. But not just any kind of walk, learning how to walk steady, all right? That's where we're going today. Hey, last week, though, I threw out a challenge to you, and I said, listen, take, take this circle to true life that I drew for you last week, and I said, take that out into the community and draw it for someone. Now, I hope that you did that, all right? But if you didn't do it, my challenge to you is this, draw the circle to true life for someone. If you're sitting here right now and you're going, Hey, I wasn't even here last week. What is this whole circle to true life? Let me help bring you up to speed on how we see your spiritual life. And, you know, at the same time, I'm going to give you an easy way for you to communicate your spiritual journey with others. Um, it's in the form of a large circle. You sit down at a, at a restaurant. You can draw this on a napkin. You can just tell somebody, I want to tell you about my spiritual journey. You know, kind of where, where I've been, uh, where I'm at, and kind of where I'm trying to go. And then you just draw, you just draw a, you know, a dot in the middle. And then put yourself out here somewhere, and that's all you need to get started. Now, there's four sections to this, this nice little drawing that I put up here. The first one is everything that's outside of the circle. Everything outside of the circle is what we refer to as man's world. This is where man's in control, man's in charge, and man does what man wants to to make man happy. Man is his own leader. He is his own king of his own kingdom in man's world. Let me just tell you. That's not where God wants you to live, and that's not the way that God designed you to live. God designed you to live in the inner part of this circle, which inside of the circle we refer to that as the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Okay? So this is where, if, there's a, if there is a kingdom, that means that there has to be a king. That's right. And the king would then be who? Jesus. Jesus is the king. He's the king of his kingdom. So when we come into the circle, when we you know, get over that line and we come into the circle, then you, you're instantly saying, I'm not going to be my own authority. I'm not going to be my own king. I'm going to surrender my life and let Jesus be the king. But what are you going to do once you come to that decision? Some of you have made that decision. You made it decades ago or you made it years ago. Some of you may have made it last week. Congratulations to you, by the way. Uh, now what's the agenda? The agenda is this, figuring out how to get to the center of God's will for your life, where your life is most maximized, where your, where your life is most fulfilled, you know, where you're being utilized for God and for his purpose in the sweet spot of your life. But to do that, you have to get from man's world into God's kingdom. 
That's where it all starts. And that's where we just kind of refer to that as the line of faith. But that means you have to put your faith in who? You have to put your faith in Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No man comes to the Father. No man gets into, into God's kingdom. No man gets from man's world into God's kingdom unless they first set the step over my line. Jesus is the one who went to the cross. He gave his life for you and me. It's through Christ that we find salvation. He is the bridge between man's world and God's, and God's kingdom. And there's no other way to get there. It's Jesus who knocks on the door of your heart and says, hey, would you come in? And would you come into the kingdom? You know, would you surrender your life? It's through a faith in Jesus. That's how we get into the kingdom. And so today I want want to help you understand that today we're going to go to a a place and we're going to talk about a, a portion of your journey and we're just going to talk about it. It's just one little portion. So last week, last week we dealt with this portion. From wherever you are in man's world leading up to... Stepping over the line, putting your faith in Christ. Now we're going to talk about what it means to, now that you've come into God's kingdom, now what does it look like to start walking in God's kingdom, and not only just walking, but learn how to walk straight. We want to teach you how to get your spiritual feet underneath you and start walking in a way that's going to make its greatest influence and its greatest impact. You know, recently I was just reading uh, in the past two weeks uh, a journal that was dealing with, you know, health and fitness. And, you know, to my surprise, you know, I know they change these things all the time, but, you know, it's like a fast-paced walk now, they say, is the most healthy thing that you and I can do. A fast-paced walk is more healthy than going to the gym and lifting weights. A fast-paced walk is going to help you lose more weight than things like swimming, um, you know, or any other type of workout. They say a fast-paced walk is the most healthy for your body, and it helps you to lose the most weight and makes you the most fit. Now, that's awesome because you can do that for as long as God gives you legs and you can walk. So walking creates a physical health, but learning how to walk spiritually will create a spiritual health. And I think that's kind of where we all want to go, Right? Are you there? Is that where you're at today? Yeah, you want to learn how to have a, have a healthy spiritual journey with God? I hope that's where you're at today. Well, remember back to the moment when um, or you were raising children, for some of you, or you know, you've watched others raise children, and you know, a beautiful baby is born, and I think we have you know, one or two babies that you know, their first day uh, here at New Life is today, and they're, they're down in the venue, and that's pretty exciting for them. And you know, babies, they can't do a lot, right? And then all of a sudden a baby learns how to, what, roll over, and then a baby learns how to crawl, and then a baby all of a sudden one day stands up on the two feet, and they, they try to take a couple of steps, and babies try to walk, but babies do a lot of falling, right? It's a good thing God made babies short and not six feet tall. I mean, that was genius move, God. Good, good, good planning there. That's awesome. Not to mention that it's a, you know, it would be very hard to give birth to a, a six-foot-tall baby. Um, <laughs> And I'm just a guy, all right? So if a guy can figure that out, it's, it's like common sense. So, um, so a baby learns how to walk, right? And if you're a parent or a grandparent, then you're concerned about the corners now on coffee tables. And you're starting to now try to childproof your home because now the kid can reach things and get a hold of things. And that kid learn, learns how to walk, but don't they fall a lot? They fall all the time. And then all of a sudden one day the kids figured out how to put one foot in front of the other and they're, they're up and down little things and they, you know, they're off of couches and, you know, they just walk. And it's amazing how they just go from crawling to walking and then walking steady. But every kid, once they start walking steady, they want to do one more thing and that is 
run. Every kid wants to run. Every kid wants to run. I think it's just innate inside of us. It's our, it's our, it's this something, I don't know what it is. It's the rebellious nature inside of us. That's what it is. Because kids just like, man, you're at a restaurant and they just like, bring, they're gone, right? You're at the mall and boom, they're gone. Uh, kids want to run. Yes. And spiritually, guess what? You should want to run too. But you first have to learn how to walk steady. In your spiritual journey, I really kind of see four different ways that people are walking. Some of them are steady and some are not. The first one is this, a person that gives their life, and my, my, my circle's going to get a little messy, so I just apologize to you right now. But the first one is this, someone who is living in man's world and decides, I'm going to give my life to Christ and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start living in you know, God's kingdom. And they just are so over the top on this. I mean, they can't get enough of it. They're reading their Bible 24-7, you know, 750 days a year because they don't even understand boundaries. They're going to every life group. It's like I, they, heard, they heard a pastor say, get in a life group, um, and they go to a life group on Monday, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday morning, Wednesday night, Thursday. You know, they try to attend all 100 life groups. Every time the church is open, they're here. Even if we don't have services, they're here. Um, they're just over the top. Have you guys ever met someone like that? Or maybe it was you when you first gave your life to Christ? And that person is what I call a speed walker, right? And they speed walk their way right towards the center. And you're just like, wow, this is exciting. This is really good for you, man. I'm so excited for you, except for the fact they speed walk right past the center because they have no idea what the center of God's will looks like. They've got themselves into the habit of Christianity. They've got themselves into the routine of what it means to be a Christian, but they have no idea what the heart of God is like. And unfortunately, I've watched these speed walkers walk, the, walk their way right out of God's kingdom because they get defeated and they got frustrated. And they were like a, a flash burn and then it was gone. And that was one of them. And then you got the other people, right? And these people, they come across the line of faith and they, they start, you know, trying to learn how to walk steady and they're going towards the center of God's will. And then pretty soon they just kind of go, you know what, this is as far in as I want to go. And I'm just going to stay right here. This is where I feel comfortable. I call those people the forever walkers. They're never going to run. They're just forever in this walk stage of their journey. Would it be weird if your toddler learned how to walk, but then your toddler never desired to run? Isn't it interesting that I, I said to you, like after a kid learns how to walk, what's the next thing they want to do? And all of you went, run? Wouldn't it be weird if someone spiritually, all they ever wanted to do was just walk and they never wanted to run like they only wanted to get so far with god but they never wanted to give it all they never wanted to go all in wouldn't it be weird yeah just like you would take your toddler to a doctor you probably need to take your spiritual life to christ and go why is it that i just want to you know walk forever and unfortunately some of you that are here in our church today you've been in this church for 20 years and you're still spiritually walkers now i don't know who you are and i'm not speaking to a particular person i'm just saying this a church that has you know, uh, four different worship services in three different locations and, you know, has an attendance of about a thousand, has some people that have been around for a long time and they're still spiritually walking. Now that's unfortunate. And you need to see a spiritual doctor for that. That means you need to humble yourself before Jesus and go, you know what, God, I don't want to stay in this condition of my life any longer. I want to learn what it means to take that next step in my faith. We're going to talk about that next week. Now there's another group of people. They come into God's kingdom they step out of man's world into God's world, but then their journey, their journey just kind of stays right here. It kind of hugs the line. It almost looks exactly like the line. 
I call those people rim huggers. You rim huggers. Those are, those are people that they, they know that Jesus is God, but they're unwilling to give up their worldly lifestyle. They know Jesus is God and they, wanna, they wanted to surrender their life and they prayed a nice little prayer, but they were unwilling to really change a lot of their actions. They wanted to get the best of man's world while having some ticket straight out of hell. And I'm just going to tell you, you can live that way for a while, but it won't last very long. The last group of people are what I'm going to refer to as the, the star-struck people. The people like, yeah, like if you were in Hollywood and you're walking along and all of a sudden you saw your favorite movie star, right? Like, what would you do? Like, whoa, like that. Or some of you, you're too cool for that. I got it. I wouldn't do that. Of course, I wouldn't do that. I might go like, dude, whoa, man, dude, ah, look at that. Look, man, it's, I don't know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know who to use, all right? And he's like, hey, how are you doing? Like, or whatever. Well, that might be, uh, that might be uh, Sylvester Stallone. Hey, how are you doing? I don't know. I don't watch movies. All right, that was a lie. God, I'm sorry. I apologize. You, if you found a movie, movie star and you were like, oh, man, look, it's, oh, wow, you'd be starstruck, right? We want starstruck walkers in their faith. These people that come into God's kingdom, we want them to be starstruck by Jesus. Like in complete awe of him. Just like, whoa, Jesus, you are better than I thought. You were greater than I imagined. Your word has more truth in it than I could ever, oh man. And these kind of the people, man, that once the, once that aha, uh, uh-huh, aha uh, kind of starts to dwindle and reality kicks in, man, they've got, they're full of questions. And they've got great questions. And they just want to keep asking questions and growing in their knowledge. And they want to, they want to hang out with Jesus. They just want to be with Jesus. And so when the doors open for church on Sunday, man, they come in and spiritually their heart is ready and it's prepared. They're not overdoing it. They're just in awe of Jesus. Those types of spiritual walkers are the people that are going to find themselves getting to the center of God's will. And they're going to get caught in the gravity of God's grace. And they're going to, get, they're going to find themselves orbiting at the center of God's perfect will for their life. That's the kind of spiritual walker that we want to see you become today, no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey. We want to help you be that person. So how do you walk steady with that kind of attitude? You first have to come to this, this, this first place, that your identity must be in Christ. And your identity must fully be in Christ, because your identity, it kind of depicts and it says to the world what you're known for, what you're known for. Like go back to junior high or high school. And we had some identity issues that we were struggling with back then. And we didn't know, like, maybe what group we wanted to be a part of or, you know, what group we associated with. But once you got your group, man, you were in. You were all into the group. Like, so when I was in, you know, middle school and high school, we had the nerd group, right? These people didn't walk around with a shirt on that said, we're the nerd group. Everyone knew they were part of the nerd group. You know, I mean, they were just, I mean, their pants were way up here like this, right? And they had a pocket protector in and they had tape on their glasses and their hair might be a little messed up. We know them now as the filthy rich guys, right? <laughs> they don't look anything like that, all right? So that was, that was an identity group, and they, they were all in, you know, for that, I, for that identity group. We had other groups, like, the, like skater groups. The skater group. I mean, you know, you get the more baggy kind of clothes on. You got the skater shoe on. You always knew a skateboarder person when they were part of the skateboard group because, well, they were carrying a skateboard. That was pretty easy, it's pretty easy, you know, the skateboard group. They got the skateboard with them. You know, it's pretty, pretty easy. But you also had the jocks. 
All right, the jocks, and these were both women and guys, and these were the people that were involved in all the sports. And so on, when the game day was there, they boldly wore their jersey. You know, they went around, and when they got items of food, like off the cafeteria line, they went out there, and they flexed their muscle at the same time that they got their piece of pizza and put it down. It was like, You know, this is the jocks, right? So you got all these different groups and these different groups of people that gave themselves over completely to that group. They dressed like them. They talked like them. They sounded like them. I got good news for you today. You're part of a group, but it's group Jesus. And your identity should be in the fact that you're in group Jesus. And the world should know that you're a part of group Jesus. The world should know, not just your church friends inside this building, but your, your co-workers and your neighbors, people that you run into in public, they should know you're part of group Jesus. And you shouldn't be ashamed of it. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says it this way. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. You shouldn't be ashamed. So if you're here today, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, if you're not ashamed of being a part of group Jesus, then stand to your feet in all of our locations. If you're not ashamed of being a part of group Jesus, stand to your feet right now. Come on. Stand to your feet right now, right? Come on. Yeah, all over the place. Just stay standing. Just stay standing. I want everybody in all the locations out in North Platte in the venue, I want you to read this with me with a I am not ashamed kind of attitude and I'm not ashamed kind of a voice. Why don't, you, why don't you read this with me? For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. Amen? Come on. That's right. Man, all right, so be seated, but high five someone, tell them I'm not ashamed of the gospel, all right? I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Let me just tell you today, you don't have to be ashamed of Jesus because Jesus is the good news. He's the good news. All right, now, if you're new here today and you've yet to give your life to Christ and you're, you're still needing to step over the line, I, you know, if that felt a little awkward, I apologize to you. I know sometimes we do things at churches that make people feel a little awkward. But there's one thing you need to know if that's where you're at. This is a church full of people that are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the kind of people that are going to change the world. That's the kind of people that are going to change the world. There's a, there's a power of God that is at work, like that scripture says. And it's a power that can help you overcome your inadequacies. It's the power of God that's at work to conquer the grip of sin that's on your life. So I, want, I need you to be people that are proud to be on Team Jesus. I want you to be people that are not ashamed of the gospel, that you're proud of the fact that Jesus Christ gave his life for you and that he set you free, that his power is still at work in you. And that's what Jesus wants too because he said these words in Mark. He said, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. We live in a sinful time. We live in, we live in a time that is completely sinful and it's completely adulterous. But Jesus is saying that, listen, if you're a follower of mine, in that type of a sinful, dark world, the light of Jesus should shine brighter and brighter and brighter. 
It should be easier and easier to identify a Christ follower in a world that keeps getting darker and darker and darker. The other thing that Jesus is saying to us through this passage is this. I haven't given you a license to live a camouflage Christianity. You don't get to go and just camouflage yourself, you know, and you go out into the world and so that the world doesn't know that you're a Christian. We live in difficult, trying times. Just look at what happened this past week in, in you know, Paris. We live in a world of wickedness and in violence. It's vile. There's great, there's great divides and there's great anger and there's great strife that's happening in our world today. And it doesn't matter how tough it gets on Christians. It doesn't matter how much persecution Christianity comes under. It doesn't matter, you know, what type of enemy tries to come against Christianity. It doesn't matter because Jesus says this, don't be ashamed of me. You don't have the freedom to live a camouflage Christianity in this world. Be grateful for what he's done. Be thankful for what he's done. Be excited for who he is. Jesus is alive. And you never have to worry about that. The question I have for you today basically is this. Is there enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian in this world? If you were put on trial today and people were put up into the, into the witness seat, would there be enough evidence for a judge and a jury to convict you of being a Christ follower or not? For all of us in this room and everyone listening in all of our locations, we need to have this attitude, this faith of this, I'm not turning back. A faith that says there's no turning back. Like I've made a commitment to Christ and I'm going to walk steady until I begin to run, until I begin to give it all, like you're going to hear about in the weeks coming. That kind of don't turn back attitude is that idea of like standing there with a plane that's at 10, 12, 13,000 feet and you got a parachute on your back and the door's open and you're standing there with your hands on the side and then all of a sudden you just take the leap because when you take the leap, there's no getting back into the plane. You're out there, right? That's the kind of faith that you and me need to have. We need to have that kind of faith that says, you know, there is no, there is no safety cord I'm bailing out of man's world and I'm flying into God's world and I'm gonna be all in. When you have that, you know, all in, there's no turning back kind of a faith. It's amazing what can happen in your life. If that's where you are today, I would encourage you, if you haven't been water baptized, get water baptized. That's a very practical step for all of you to take if you've had that kind of like, I'm all in, God, but if you haven't been baptized in water, take that public step. It's a nice, it's a great public step of just identifying your life is with Christ. Here's another thing you can do if you've got that all in, like there's no turning back kind of attitude and you've bailed out a man's world and you come into God's kingdom. Is this, start inviting friends to church. <laughs> start inviting the church. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Is you know that the majority of Americans would come to church, but they're just waiting for someone to invite them? I know it sounds weird, like, well, the doors are open every week. Shouldn't they just come? There's a website, and you put thousands of dollars into that to help them understand who you are. Shouldn't they just read it all and then come? Well, no, they do those things, but do you know what they're waiting for? They're waiting, they're waiting for a real-life example to be lived in front of them, someone that would just go out of their way enough to say, hey, why don't you come to church with me? I really believe in what God's doing in my life, at my church, and what God can do in your life. That's awesome. You know, and then draw your spiritual journey for others. So that's what we do. We do our part, but then God has a part that God wants to do as well in identifying you as a person that belongs to him. And look at what, look at what 2 Corinthians has to say about what God does in helping you to be identified with him. It is God who enables us, along with you, 
to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own by what? By placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything that he has promised us. Four quick things that God does. First, God says to us, stand firm. Well, God, I mean, that's pretty audacious. Stand firm. Like, no matter what happens, yes, stand firm. Like, if the world's collapsing around me, stand firm for Christ? Yes, stand firm for Christ. Why? That word, stand firm, is like a first century word that was used as a guarantee for the sale of a land. Meaning, that I could guarantee to you that if you made an agreement with me to sell me your land, that I could follow through with it. Like I could put a deposit down, I had the reserves, I had the equity. It would allow you to stand firm and know that I'm going to be a man of my word and I'm going to follow through. I'm going to do that. And so God says to you and me, stand firm because God goes, I guaranteed your salvation already and nothing can take it away from you. So let your identity be, be, uh, be firm out in the world. Let your identity with Christ be solid today as you sit here knowing this, that God has already done all he needed to do. You can stand firm because he's guaranteeing your salvation through Christ. It's awesome. It's an awesome principle. Secondly is that he commissioned us. That means he's anointed you. There's an anointing on your life as a believer that God's put on there a calling on your life, a directive on your life that he wants you to go out into this community and represent him. And there's this anointing that sets you apart. It causes the world to look at you and see something different in you. But then there's something that God uses for himself as well to identify you in his eyes, look upon the earth, and he sees all of humanity. He says that I placed the Holy Spirit in your hearts. And that's a distinguishing factor between you and someone that's chosen to live in man's world. Man's world lacks the Holy Spirit living in their hearts. God's world has the Holy Spirit as an indicator. But the Holy Spirit in your heart is for something powerful. It identifies you as a son or a daughter of God. And that's what God, God uses his Holy Spirit to commune with you, to have relationship with you. Holy Spirit isn't someone to be overlooked. The Holy Spirit is someone to give your life to and say, God, commune with me. Build relationship with me. Why? Because it's just the first installment of a guarantee of something much greater to come. The Holy Spirit is a guarantee. It's a, it's a, down, it's a down payment of something greater to come, and that is eternity with God in heaven. That's where God wants you to be. So when you walk steady, when you strive to walk steady, God identifies you as his very own. And the world starts recognizing you as different, as a beacon of light in the midst of darkness. But to walk steady in your faith, you must realize that grace is required beyond the line as well. And that means that when you come out of man's world into God's kingdom, you don't instantly become perfect. You come in with a lot of baggage. And there's a lot of baggage that's going on in your life. And, it, and you know what? I just got to let you know that you might feel the strife with that. You might feel the pain with that. You might, you might feel the confusion with it. Like, man, I gave my life to God. Why is my life not perfect? Because you come into God's kingdom with baggage. And you have to wrestle with that. And you know what? You're not going to win every battle, but you can win the war. You're not going to win every battle with sin. But you can win the war because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So you still need grace beyond the line. And there's a part that you have to play in this, in this like, uh, you know, experiencing grace beyond the line. 
I thought, because I was reading this this past week as well, that there's an astronaut that's been in space today 233 days. 233 days. Do anybody know his name? Scott Kelly is his name. He's an American. He's going to live in space for 365 days so they can do this great experiment. He lives on the International Space Station which over a six-month period of time, it, it drops in its elevation because of the law of gravity of earth pulling on it. It drops about a mile and a half every six months. And when it drops far enough, then they have to launch these rockets and burn these thrusters and try to get it back into orbit. And they get it back to orbit and they turn the thrusters off and it continues to revolve and you know, orbit the earth. And this International Space Station, it decays over time. Just like sin causes your spiritual life to decay over time. And today, some of you need to burn some thrusters. You need to burn some thrusters and you need to say, you know what, I'm not going to stay where I'm at. I am going to change. And how do you do that? You do that through repentance and you do that through confession. Confession and repentance of sin is the thruster burn that causes your life to get lined back up with God's life. And without it, it's extremely detrimental. Take a look at what Psalm says about that. It says, I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. That is, again, the wrong scripture. What did I say? Take a look at what Psalm says. We're skipping that scripture because it's wrong. Now it's right. Come on, give it up for him. See what I did there? I jumped a scripture because I'm running a little long. It says this, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. And what did I do? See, that's why you need confession and repentance. Without confession and repentance, your life just, it groans. There's this agony. There's this pain. Confession, repentance, burn the thrusters and get your life lined back up with God today. First John says this about confession, that if we confess our sins, that he, God, is faithful and just and he will forgive us of our sins and he will purify us from all of our unrighteousness. This is something that God promises. God promises this. If you want to walk steady, Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let your life be a beacon of light to a community. If you want to walk steady in your faith, then keep practicing grace in your life. Keep confessing. Keep repenting. Keep activating those thrusters that come from the conviction of the Holy Spirit and get your life lined up with God today. That's how you're going to keep walking steady. If you keep walking steady, eventually you'll be orbiting around the center of God's perfect will for your life, experiencing all of the great things that God has for you. Our executive pastor, Pastor Chris, is going to come up, and he's actually going to wrap up uh, our service today. Awesome. You know, when I think about walking steady in the natural, it's it's no problem, right? As long as I'm healthy enough, as long as the ground is flat. How many of you think when we live in Nebraska, where all the ground is flat, right? So I can walk across the stage, across the parking lot, across the entire state, right? As long as there's a few McDonald's in between, you know, to fuel up, I can walk steady. But when you talk about 
adding a load. When you talk about uh, an elevation gain, if you talk about navigating rough terrain, now walking steady is a little tougher, right? Well, one thing I share with Pastor Jeff is we love adventures. We love to uh, conquer challenges. So a few years ago, I had this idea, I'm going to hike the Grand Canyon rim to rim. And, and I wasn't a hiker at that time. So I started hiking. I started uh, getting into shape. And so I call up Pastor Jeff and said, hey, man, I got this trip planned out, some friends. We're going to hike the Grand Canyon rim to rim. It's going to be unbelievable, awesome. He said, yeah, man, I'm in. I'm going to get on a plane. He got on a plane. He came down there. We picked him up. We went to the Grand Canyon, and it was a blizzard. It was the middle of November on the North Rim. So they turned us around. We had to go around to the other side of the Grand Canyon, which takes you about six hours or so to get back around. But man, that six-hour trip only built the anticipation, the excitement, all the planning up to that day. How many guys are with me that that gearing up and planning is as much of the adventure as the adventure, right? You know what I'm talking about? Going to Cabela's, going to REI, spending lots of money on gear. It's exciting, right? Amen? You can say amen to that. And so the excitement was building. We were ready to hike. And on a November day, even on the south rim, a little lower elevation, it was still snowing. It was, it was cold. And, 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 and so we get out of the vehicle. We're putting our gear on. We put our, our hats on, our gloves on. And we had to push through still November again, snow, wind, ice. But there are still hundreds, if not thousands, of tourists there. On the rim, enjoying the view. If you've ever been there, you understand the view that we got to take in as we approached the rim, and you were hit with this amazing view of the Grand Canyon. But we weren't there just to take in the view. We were there to go on a hike and to tackle this, uh, this major hike down into the Grand Canyon. So we pushed past all the tourists and those people there from across the world that were there to uh, just take in the view. We pushed past them and we broke the surface of the rim and descended below the rim. And we joined, as we saw the Grand Canyon, around 450 million people that that year got to visit the Grand Canyon. But then as we hiked down below the rim, we joined the 2% of all those who got to view the canyon from the Colorado River as hikers and experience that great hike. It was awesome. Now, here's the point. Here's the point of that whole story. It wasn't just to tell you another uh, story of our adventures. As uh, the pastors, that's all they do. We play golf and we go on adventures, right? It wasn't just to tell you that story. Um, But God is leading, I believe, many of you that are here today on a journey to learn what it means to walk steady with him. And to our natural way of thinking, walking steady in this life means even ground. It means an easy road, an easy path. It means a railing that I can hold on to, something secure. And for sure, God, God is a firm foundation. He is a, a platform that we can build our lives upon. But walking steady does not mean hugging the rim with the other spectators, taking in the view. It means breaking the plane. It means getting out on the trail and walking Walking with him. To walk steady, we must identify with Christ. We must find our identity with Christ. Why? Because there's going to be this battle that goes on once you step over the line and put your trust and faith in him. There's going to be a battle that will continually go on. The battle is this, that I want to be my own man or you want to be your own woman. I want to be my own person to find my own existence, to find my own purpose in this life. You understand that battle? How many can identify with that battle? Yeah, absolutely. 
And so our identity must be firmly planted and rooted in Christ if we are going to walk steady. Otherwise, I'm going to want to hold on to the rail called ownership. I own my life. I'm my own person. But when you step over the line, the Bible teaches us that we are not our own. Our life is not our own. Our life was bought with a price. The salvation that we have when we step over the line was too expensive for us to afford. We need somebody else to pay the price, right? And so he bought us. Now our life is his. And so our identity must be firmly planted in Jesus if we are going to walk steady. Now here's the good news. Pastor Jeff taught us that grace is required to step over the line. But not only is grace required to step over the line, we need grace if we're going to make heaven our home. That's God's saving grace. And every single one of us need it every day of our lives. God's saving grace. But God also has a sustaining grace, an empowering grace. God's grace in that sense is his daily presence in our life. And so when you step over the line and you take hold of the hand of Jesus so that you might traverse the trail and walk steady... You are walking in his sustaining grace, his presence in your life. He is the one who enables us. I believe our verse said in Corinthians, God is the one who enables us and you to stand firm in Christ. Isn't that good news? That I don't just start out on this journey and have to will myself to do what's right. I don't have to just try to figure it out for myself, but I'm holding on to the hand of Jesus. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he is enabling me to stand firm in Christ. In other words, he's enabling me to walk a trail, even though I'm carrying a load, even though the terrain is rough, even though I don't know what's ahead, he's enabling me to walk steady because he is with me. And that is good news. Amen? That is good news. So I want to just encourage you today. If you have yet to step over the line of faith, today is the day to do that. Can I just, can I just urge you? Can I appeal to you that you are not promised tomorrow? You're, in fact, not promised this afternoon. Today is the day to surrender your life. Say, Jesus, I want to, I want to walk with you. I want you to have my life. I give you everything. Today is the day to step over the line and receive God's grace, but it's going to happen as you put your faith in him. You know, the rim is a great place. It's a beautiful place. It's a place that even beckons you and inspires you to want to experience something great, but you will never experience that if you stay with the the crowds on the broad path, on the easy path of the rim. It happens when you put your faith and trust in Jesus. So today, if you've yet to cross the line, today is the day to step over the line. If you've stepped over the line and yet you feel that pull back, you feel that pull, you can kind of look up and you can still see the rim and go, oh man, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be okay down there. Did I bring enough water, right? Did I bring enough food? Am I going to be able to, my body going to be able to handle this road? Am I going to be able to traverse this trail? And the rim is within sight and there's this lure, this draw of the rim. Can I just encourage you? To let go of the view of the rim. Put your hand in Jesus' hand. He will enable you to walk steady. Let's pray. God, we love you. We are so very thankful that you know where each and every one of us, where we are today. You're calling us to step out and to not be of those who, who just spectate 
Not just be among the tourists to view your creation in this world and enjoy all of its benefits, but see a purpose behind it and and desire to step into our purpose with you. God, we thank you that even though the trail is steep, your grace is more than enough. We're thankful that you didn't call us to journey alone, but you said you would be with us every step of the way. We're thankful that even though it requires surrender and letting go of the rail, that in the end it is the pathway to the very center of your will. And God, I pray that in this moment before we just transition into a time of worship, there's a sense that there's someone here today, there's probably more than, than one that just have this, this picture in their mind's eye that the center of your will is some destination moment in time or some position or some arrival moment. And it is that, but it's not that. The very center of your will is the next step today. The very center of your will for them today is taking a step in moving forward. So today, God... We want to be those people as we respond to you in worship, as we even stand and move for some of us maybe to an altar. May in our mind's eye we see ourselves letting go of the rim, letting go of the rail, stepping out onto the trail. And I'm thankful that for every one of my friends that are here or at one of our campuses today that step out, put their hand in your hand, they will not regret it. They will be on the adventure of their lifetime. We love you, Jesus, and we want to worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord.